Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Good morning. Isn't this fun? It's so fun to have a church at 10 because everybody's here on time. Even I was here before it started. <laughs> it's funny. It's good to be here. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty important day. I, uh, Jan got back from Africa on Friday. That takes 25 hours. Becca uh, led a BBS. That takes about 3,000 hours. And then I think Jeff O'Grady is meeting with the Pope or something important on study leave. And so that's why I'm here. So it's good to be here. Um, fill in. I'm, a, I'm Italian, so I move a little bit. So I'm going to just move this back, Jenny. I'm sorry. That's okay. I appreciate that. I'm also 300 pounds, so you never know. Um, this, is, uh, this is kind of one of those uh, great days to share. I'm excited about this topic today. Acts 2, which is about the Holy Spirit, which is really great. Um, it's really simple, is what I would tell you. It's not, actually. It's really complicated. That's also probably why I'm here, because they were like, yeah, this one, Dave, do it. And um, so I'm excited to share uh, about the Holy Spirit and the story in Acts 2 at Pentecost. I know this is not Pentecost Sunday, but um, this is a really important conversation for all of us to kind of hear what it is the Holy Spirit is at work doing. One of the the things I learned uh, when I was going to seminary, I would go home and see my mom. And when I would go home and see my mom, she would always ask me, what am I learning in seminary? And uh, this was not one of those things that I loved um, to answer, because it was like, Mom, I already took the test. Like, I'm not really interested in sharing. I took a pneumatology class with a PN, like pneumonia. And uh, it was a class. It was a 10-week class about Christology and pneumatology, so about Jesus and who is Jesus and Savior, Messiah kind of conversation, but also about the Holy Spirit. We spent 10 weeks together. We talked about Jesus for nine and a half weeks. And we talked about the Holy Spirit for one class. And I think it's because the professor was like, you know what, I I don't really understand this. So I'm just going to start by saying, I don't really understand everything about the Holy Spirit either. And if you don't, that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. Just be open to the mystery of that, that I don't really understand how the Holy Spirit works. But I know that the Holy Spirit does work. So as I launch in today, I hope you come with me. Before we go too far, I want to show you this picture. Last time my mom was here, we went to Lunasia and Alhambra. And uh, we were sitting together, and she was like, so what are you learning now? And then if you put that picture, I know there's like an alarm going off, so we'll just be okay. So I posted this picture of my conversation with my mom. It's about young people. They're always into their books, and the old people are always just on their phones. <laughs> it's just a, it's what I'm learning. I thought this was a spiritual moment for me. Um, it was a big deal to show my mom that this is, we've flipped a little bit, I think. It's kind of fun. Not really. Kids aren't really into their books. They're just playing Fortnite now. And parents are onto their phones because they hang out that way. Uh, I just love this picture for my mom because it just reminds her that we're all going to be okay. Like a I, I didn't read until I was in college, like a book. I, I, I lied in every class in high school about reading. 
they didn't have the internet really back then when I was in high school, because I'm old, but they had like, people would tell you what was in a book. And then people start reading, and then their eyes open. And that's the way the spirit works, I think. The spirit works where you give a little bit and then your eyes are opened. And that's kind of what I'm going to invite you to do. The, the idea of spirit is kind of this funky idea that we have in America. Spirit is kind of everywhere we talk about spirit. I, I mean, if you were at the blue-white game on Saturday, you would have seen San Marino school spirit, kids that care a lot about their school. Or maybe you have a spirit animal. Like, have you heard this about spirit animals, the animal that most embodies who you are like? And if you had to guess, my spirit animal is a bear. <laughs> because it's similar lifestyle that I like to embody as the bear, the big, cuddly, grizzly bear of some kind. Uh, or maybe you've caught on to this idea of the American spirit that is like this industrious hardworking idea. We talk about spirit all the time, and yet the Holy Spirit is a little different. It, like none of those things really get us fired up. Like the Holy Spirit is like, yeah, that one I don't, I don't really get fired up about. And, and spirit as an idea, I mean, like if I said, hey, I want you to meet my friend, they're very spiritual. You might be like, cool, I'm good. You know, like that's not really my scene, the very spiritual scene, like rocks and stuff. It's not me. Even the inspiring books, inspirational conversations, it's kind of like, no, I don't need that. I need something that inspires me. Frederick Buechner, who's a great Presbyterian pastor, said the spirit has become like an unmade bed. And I like that image for us, that spirit, its general idea has become an unmade bed. That's just kind of a sloppy idea that's thrown. It's a little bit like love that way. And I think this is important because in the Old Testament, when God first breathes into the creation, Adam, it's the spirit of life that goes into them, the ruach of life that is into your life. And that spirit really is the essence of who you are, and it's your life, it's breath, it's where we get ex ex exasperate, respiratory. It's this idea that it is who you are and what you do and it's life. And when somebody's life expires, they no longer have breath in them. A good friend of mine, her sister gave birth to a brand new baby boy. And on the same day, her grandfather passed away. And she saw new life, real breath when the baby cried. And her grandfather passed away in the same day. This breath of life speaks to the spirit of life that is inside you. And spirit is incredibly contagious. We've all seen this around us, the people around us that inspire us. Here's a great quote I want to show you. I'll read it to you for those of you that don't have your reading glasses. It says this, spirit is highly contagious. When a person is very excited, very happy, very sad, you can catch it from them as easily as measles or a yawn. You can catch it from what they say or from what they do or just from what happens to the air of a room when they enter it without saying or doing anything. Groups also have a spirit, as anybody can testify who has ever been caught up in the spirit of a football game, a political rally, or a lynch mob. Spirit can be good or bad, healing or destructive. Spirit can be transmitted across great distances of time and space. For better or worse, you can catch the spirit of men long dead, 
of men whose faces you have never seen and whose languages you cannot speak. I know for me, I've been influenced by a lot of people, whether they're alive or not. Still influenced by people in my life that have passed away. Their spirit lingers. And in my life, the people that have been most influential in my life are people that knew Jesus and had his Holy Spirit with them. This story of Pentecost is an amazing story. It's a great picture I found on the internet. This is a picture of Pentecost from my friends in Africa. I didn't pick that because Malawi came back. I just really like African art. But it's a beautiful picture for us as we read this story. So keep this in mind. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, and you have a different version of the bulletin, so I'll put it on the screen. It says this, when the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force, and no one could tell where it came from. So just to kind of give an entry point, you can just leave that there, don't move it. The Feast of Pentecost, Pente 5, like Pentagon, 50 days after Passover. And so everybody would come to gather, and it was their like first fruits. They would come to deliver their first fruits in celebration of what God had done in the harvest. And so the, everybody would come and they would celebrate and they would give like their first fruits of stuff to God and celebrate with each other. So Pentecost isn't a Christian thing. Pentecost was a before Christian thing too. And then Pentecost becomes pretty different at this one. Okay. So they were all together in one place. Who's all? I think you'll make, that'll make sense in a second, but all, I mean, they were all together in one place. Just imagine if we had all of San Marino in one place, just in here, for instance, like around the church, It'd be pretty crowded. So all in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. Just this whoosh, rush. No one could tell where it came from. You ever stood on a beach and the wind is hitting you? And you're like, oh, the wind's coming from this direction. This, this is weird to me. That they're all in this place, there's a bunch of people, and then suddenly there's this wind that comes rushing through, and no one could tell where it came from. But it filled the whole building. The whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. I mean, we all speak, for the most part, Similar languages. But if we were all crammed into a room and you were standing, you were talking to something, then all of a sudden they started talking to you in a different language or maybe in a language that you understand, which is different than a different language, you might be a little bit like, what? What is this? But you felt the wind, the rush of that. And you don't know where it came from. Well, there were many Jewish people staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pil pilgrims from all over the world. Again, this is a big celebration. And when they heard the sound, they came running in. They, like, they don't know where the sound came from. They don't know what it is. They hear this sound. They don't know what it is. And they go running to it. 
Usually when you hear a sound, you might peek. But if there was something that you were like, what is that? You might not run to it. Something about this sound gave them peace to go run to it. Then when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't, for the life of them, figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother languages? Like, I had no idea the people in Galilee were like linguistic scholars. And that they like trained the whole world how to speak. Well, there's like a list of places, and I don't want to embarrass myself not knowing how to speak other languages, but there's just a bunch of people from all over the world, and it's kind of a historical list of people that the Jewish people had encountered. And there's lots, and it kind of walks through chronologically all the different people that were there. Basically to say everybody was there from every corner of the earth. Every Jewish person that had gone anywhere else in the world had come home for this. And they were all speaking those languages, languages that they understood. And this is what I love about this story, is the next part, it says this, after the list, they're speaking our languages. Put it on. (laughs) Put the next slide on. Whoop, there it is. They're speaking our languages, describing what? God's mighty works. The Spirit didn't just come and say, speak these languages. The Spirit of God came and said, tell them what I'm doing. Tell them what I've done. This is God's mighty works. And these people had come and they were like, what is this? And they were hearing all about what God had done and what he is doing. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth confused. What is going on here? Well, and others joked, ah, they're just drunk on cheap wine, which is what it might have felt like. I mean, if you only know one language that the person's talking to you and you're behind somebody else and they're talking to them, you might be like, that just isn't a language. You might be skeptical. Well, that's not, that's not a language. I don't understand what they're saying. They're just drunk on cheap wine. I mean, that's what we're celebrating anyway. I guess it makes sense, right? Uh-huh. I'm not sure about that. This is the word of the Lord. In the Presbyterian tradition, they often will pray before they read Scripture as a way to invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of the understanding of what's happening. It's called the prayer of illumination. They're just words on a page in a book, unless the Holy Spirit's there. Then they're different. Then there's something for you in the words. As I think about this story Gosh, I think it's a great story. I mean, there's so many things that come out of it for me. I think about this one in particular. Just being in a room with a bunch of people that are different than you. I mean, how often in your life do you find yourself in a place with people that are different than you? For some of you, it's easy. 
because you feel like everywhere you go, nobody's like you. But I, as a white guy, can control what I go to. I have the privilege to go only to people that are white. I can control that. But what if we just began to look differently at the people around us and go, man, this is a pretty homogenous group I'm with. That's something for me. That's something for me that I think about. What about if I'm only around young people? Or only around old people? Or only around wealthy people? Or poor people? How do we get everyone into the same room that's a question for us as a church. How do we create a space that welcomes everyone to come into the room to actually feel the breath of God's life in us? I think about that. I think about a lot of things, about the running to the wind. I mean, I, I, I don't love talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm Presbyterian. Holy Spirit is weird. No hands up, no eyes closed during song. Somebody started to clap in the back, and I was like, whoa. This is a Presbyterian church. I think we need to attune ourselves to what God is doing in our life. I think the only way to do that is to talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's the only way to do it. The only way to attune ourselves to what God is doing is to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we don't even talk about the Holy Spirit very often. I do young life. We maybe talk about young life or the Spirit like one day a week at summer camp. And the rest of the year, meh. But that's the God inside of you. That's the God inside of you speaking to you that prays on your behalf. I love this picture of Acts 2 at the end. Oh, this is cool. I like this picture. It's a dove descending, and it looks like it's shooting fireballs, which is like how the Holy Spirit is imaged in a lot of it. But go to the next part, this Acts 2. No, Acts 2, 42. Yeah, I put them in order. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. So this is what I love about this whole story. There's a lot of story. Peter gets really bold and like starts proclaiming who Jesus is and that he was the Messiah and all this stuff. But at the end of this story, this is the end of Acts 2, as the story goes on, it says this. Everyone around was in awe. I mean, like literally in awe. You ever been like so, what is this? It's happened like three times in my life. I was really in awe of something. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles whom Jesus had commissioned and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's needs were met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple followed by meals at home. And this is like my love language. Every meal, a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. Amen. People in general liked what they saw. I love how he says that. People in general, they liked what they saw. And every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. 
When you proclaim what God has done, people will like what they see. If you truly proclaim what God has done, people will like what they see and people will be, be caught up in that. It is contagious, just like spirit. And what draws us and compels us to share the good news of what God has done is the Holy Spirit. If you aren't compelled to share with someone the good news of what God has done in you, you might need to ask the Holy Spirit to spark a flame, re-aflame anew his life in you. How does the Spirit work? I don't really know. In John 3, the spirit goes where it wants. Can't harness it, can't control it. But here's the imagery that God uses for the Holy Spirit. I think this is really important in the scriptures. The spirit is always represented by dynamic flow. You know, whether it's water or, or rushing wind or uh, descending dove or fire. It's always something dynamic. The spirit of God is a dynamic thing. If you don't have dynamism, I don't know if you got the Holy Spirit going. I don't know if it's real in your life in a way that you are asking God to show you what it is to know the Holy Spirit. I mean, John the Baptist recognizes the difference between the water baptism for repentance and what Jesus will do with the Spirit in your life. And when Jesus makes that known to you, when that's real to you, when it's as real as breathing and the person next to you, it's not just an idea or a long shot gamble, but Jesus becomes a real person in your life that influences how you think and how you act and what you do. Then, then you get excited because the Holy Spirit reminds you of what God is doing. And has done. Until you know Jesus. And he's real. And he's contagious. There's no need for the Holy Spirit. But when you do, it gets you so excited. In Romans 5, Paul talks about how the Spirit has been in you since you were created. And just to become aware of what God is doing in the world around you and in your own life, fans aflame this new idea that what you have is not yours. It's about awakening the gift you all have already and listening to it and asking for it and seeking it out. Are you aware of the live fire burning within you? And maybe for you, at times in my life, it's been a dying ember. And you have to ask the God of the universe to fan it aflame. God gives his spirit to those that want it. We all need it. It is the essence of real life, the breath of real life. I came that you might have life 
and have it to the full, Jesus says. How do you hear the Holy Spirit? You have to answer that question. How do you hear the Holy Spirit? You have to answer that question. Here's how I hear the Holy Spirit. Time by myself. Time with my wife. Time with my church. Time with my friends. And when they're all in the same space, when they're all saying the same things, and these are people that know Jesus, it's really easy to hear the Holy Spirit. It's really easy to hear the Holy Spirit. But you got to want to hear the Holy Spirit. I, I think for us, it's really important to kind of talk about this. What is contagious and bold about the Holy Spirit, about you and your walk with the Lord and your understanding of who Jesus is and how he's shaping you? What is contagious about your life that somebody goes, oh my gosh, what is this? What is that? I need that. What is it about your life? I met Jesus years ago when I was 22, and it was because my grandfather passed away, and he was a missionary in Italy, and I didn't care about Jesus much. And we had 400 people at his service in Seattle from southern Italy that came. And I met Jesus within a month of that day because I saw the spirit alive in a man that compelled people to fly from southern Italy to Seattle for a funeral. And when they would look at me and say, you were his grandson, I knew the spirit was real. And it was just a matter of time. This great quote from Frederick Beeker about fire is, I think, important for us. Fire has no shape or substance. You can't taste it or smell it or hear it. You can't touch it except at great risk. You can't weigh it or measure it or examine it with instruments. You can never grasp in its fullness. It never stands still. Yet there is no mistaking its extraordinary power. And for me, this is the spirit. Sometimes I'm compelled to do something in a moment and I'm like, is that the spirit? Sometimes it takes me months to come to a conclusion about what the spirit is leading me to do. Sometimes it takes an APNC 15 months to figure out who the person is to come and lead a service. You can't point to exactly what God is doing, but I know God is doing it. I also know Sometimes, if you're following the Spirit, the only way to describe it is, is he drunk? I think he might be a little off. See, the great thing about this story is it happens before 9 a.m. There's a pretty good safe indicator that they weren't drinking yet, but maybe. I think there's a tension here for us. If you are really listening to God's spirit and it is really alive in you, you will do things differently and people will go, that's a little nuts. 
So here's five thoughts for you that I think are worth thinking about reflection-wise. No one could tell where it came from, from the text. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. I don't know where it comes from, but when you hear it, come running. Come running. Describing God's mighty works. If you are doing that, the Spirit is using that. What's going on here? Wouldn't it be amazing if when people came to church here, they would say, what's going on here? This is different. And then the end of Acts 2, holding everything in common. I was at Woodleaf, which is a Young Life camp in Northern California, and I love what the speaker said. He's a good friend of mine, Daniel Lye, and he said, if you view others less, it's probably because you view God as less. If you think of yourself as better than God, which is sin, it's easy to think of others as less. When you think of people those around you, you have everything in common. The same breath of life that gives you life gave them life too. Love them in a meaningful way. Love them in a meaningful way. And people will think you're a little bit crazy. The Spirit is with you. It always has been. Listen for it in yourself, in your marriage, in your friends, in your church, in your scripture. The Holy Spirit speaking. I pray that we all listen. Amen.